Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. In the fall each year we all congregate The pals all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia face Ain't nothing finer in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Nathans Podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog, Boss Market the People. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're going to do a little recap of Revenge Tour 2020, butt whooping of South Carolina edition. Yeah, so dogs go to Columbia, try to exact some revenge for the ball game last year. So got that to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about the Greg McGarity news. I want to talk about Dwan Mathis. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, just make sure if you guys could go ahead and uh, like, rate, review, share our podcast, subscribe if you can. We, uh, the more you do that, the more folks listen uh, and the better it is for us, more folks we can chat with and talk dogs with, which is the whole reason we do this. We want to talk to as many of y'all as possible. So if you got family and friends that are dogs fans, shoot them, shoot them our episodes, share it with us. Let us know what you think. Let us know things you'd like us to talk about. We want, we want things to be as interactive as possible. Um, so South Carolina game, South Carolina, kind of a skeleton squad, had some opt outs, had some injuries. Uh, coach Muschamp obviously had been fired a couple weeks back. So coach Bobo was, Interim coach for his second game. Uh, what were your, I guess, broad takeaways from the game Saturday night? Well, the first off, you know, as I said, I think in our recap of um, Mississippi State and our little preview of SC was, is that I felt bad for Bobo in the situation he was in because I you know, tough situation to be an interim coach, especially when, you know, this year with the opt-outs. And, I mean, as you said, skeleton squad. I mean, their defense is just decimated. And clearly, you know, our offensive line, you know, as – I mean, Kirby called them out, you know, the, the week before. I mean, they – it wasn't that, you know, Mississippi State did anything special. It was just, you know, we missed – it wasn't that we missed assignments. They just beat us. And – that wasn't going to happen two weeks in a row. And, you know, I like the big uglies. I talk about them all the time and they came out to play and um, they were not going to have that happen two weeks in a row. And sure enough, um, I mean, Ben Cleveland, SEC offensive lineman of the week and man, did he deserve it? Uh, he, you know, hat on hat, every single play, he was noticeable every single play and the players who um, were noticeable for the wrong reasons. Um, what, last week against Mississippi State were not noticeable, um, you know, were either not noticeable at all or, you know, were noticeable for good reasons this week. And 
JT Daniels, even when um, he did not complete a pass, was was noticeable because he was dropping it right in the bucket. You know, had a couple drops. Uh, Burton had a drop along the sideline. Perfect pass. Um, the offense was just, you know, all over the place. You know, amazing again. Um, another broad takeaway, though, the defense eh, still, you know, I mean, they didn't give up a lot, but what they did give up on the couple of drives that SC had in the first half still – I didn't like what I saw. Like SU was still able to move the ball in the first half, and especially in the second quarter, it didn't. I still didn't like what I saw from that. You know, even with, especially with the skeleton squad. So I probably have a little bit different perspective on things, just because I didn't get to watch the TV copy. Um, my brother and I were in Columbia with my two oldest kids, and we were sitting in the end zone that the dogs were going into in the first and third quarter on the kind of on the Georgia side. We, we bought the tickets off of StubHub, but we ended up just by, I guess, kismet. We ended up being in the Georgia family section. So it was awesome for the first and third quarter because dogs offense is coming right at us. But when you flip that and go to the other side of the field, it was a little tougher for us to see everything. So I probably don't have as nuanced uh, a view as I normally would. I will just give you some, I guess, things that stuck out to us. And when I say us, I mean myself, my brother, just some stuff we talked about walking back from the game. But first one was uh, Lewis Seen was everywhere. Um, I thought he flashed all night long. And I think that wasn't just something we were imagining. I think when I got back to – the condo that night, uh, what he had 12, 12 unassisted tackles Saturday night. I yeah. mean, just had a monster game. Um, I keep going back to this, but it's just, it's notable for me. Uh, Cause when any coach says something like this, it just kind of makes your ears perk up, but it's a cat from Missouri. Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz. How do you say yeah, drink, Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz. Okay. Yeah. So obviously dogs, tigers didn't play yet, but they did have the uh, press conference preview in the game that week. And I thought it was notable how he talked about Lewis seeing uh, and Lewis being an eraser. And I probably wouldn't have described him like that until I had heard Coach Rinkwitz say that. And maybe my eyes are just a little bit wider open to look at him since I heard him say that. But I felt like he flashed a lot against Mississippi State. And, man, I don't know, field level at least. It just seemed like he was everywhere. I also thought that uh, Chris Smith had a real solid ball game Saturday night. And I think he's getting better every week. So thought that was cool. Another thing really cool on the defensive side of the football was Richard account was in attendance Saturday night and was um, just very engaged. And you can just tell how big a part of not just the defense, but of the team that he is. Uh, I, I think he is probably the unquestioned leader of the 2020 Georgia football team. And I think that's kind of another reason his absence was so strongly felt in the Florida game. Um, maybe we underestimated that a little bit, uh, or maybe I did. Um, you could just tell that the guys were gravitating towards him and happy that he was there. So that was cool. Those things were cool. Um, another thing I thought was the offensive line looked possessed. I can't figure out if that's because they were possessed and just came out and wanted to be dominant or if that's just a byproduct of South Carolina's light squad, right? Like they obviously weren't at full strength and they're just 
Cabin's just not there. You know, Cabin's not full for, for the Gamecocks right now. But you could kind of tell after the first drive with the ease that Georgia moved down the field. It seemed to me like the game plan kind of shifted and they're like, look, we're just gonna we're just gonna shove it down their throat. And I mean, what did they throw it 16 times all night or something like that? So yeah. Just they weren't gonna fling it a lot. Um I did think JT looked good though. Um and love that Trey McKitty got a touchdown. Love that. Also, dude, uh, maybe I just you would think just because of how highly recruited he was and he's played so much. Tyson Campbell's first career interception. Uh dude, if you had if you had bet me money. Hey, dude, I'm bet you 30 bucks. Was that Tyson Campbell's first career interception? I'd been like, oh, absolutely not. No shot. And it was. Um, and he made a nice little play. We were opposite end of that, so we had kind of saw it materialize. They were sitting in that zone, and we just kind of saw it, and I just kind of started hitting my brother like, dude, I think he's about to pick this. Um, so that was kind of cool. And um, you kind of could see that ranginess and that 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 speed. So oh, I thought those things were good. Um I'm sure I'll think of some more stuff, but those were kind of my my high level takeaways from our vantage point. Um, have you been to that stadium before? I have not been to the joke at the Coke. No, I have not. I've heard of that it's not the greatest. So I'll be honest with you, I had heard from a lot of people that it stinks, right? And I had heard like Chris had been, my brother, and had said, you know, not super impressive. And he went during the day in September. And was like, dude, it was hotter than the surface of the sun. Um, well, he went to the uh, the DeAndre pick six game where DeAndre dropped it at the goal line. He was at that game, right? I'm the bait. pretty, pretty sure. That yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. And, uh, you know, one of Columbia's slogans is famously hot. And homie, <laughs> he said it was like, he's like, I thought I was going to melt before the first <laughs> quarter was over with. Um, so, so, yeah. I, I guess I just kind of expected it was going to be a dump. And I mean, I thought the fan experience was nice. Um, I thought the, I don't know what it's called. What is it? The, the cockaboose railroad or whatever. Like I thought that was pretty cool. And for me, man, my impression was always that it was just like one or two train cars. Homie. It's, it's like a full train. Like it runs the width of the back end of the stadium. Oh, and like, cool. Yeah, and so we were talking to a couple of people, and I guess you have to be a pretty big money donor to get one of them. But they're set up like little tailgating pods. Like, dude, it looks like a, the inside of the the little Cockaboose Railroad's like a like a living room set up almost. And then they have these little platforms on the top where people had tents or TVs. And I mean, obviously, like we didn't go inside or anything, but just looking from the outside, it looked pretty cool. Um, so I mean, I thought that was neat. I like character stuff like that so that was cool um i thought even with the what quarter quarter of the stadium being full i thought their intro stuff was pretty cool like at the beginning of the game so i would like to go back when it's a full boat just to take in the atmosphere because i bet it is ruckus in there um so yeah i would like to do that uh my other big thing homie the end zone like we were in the end zone first row and they have their hedges like in the back of the end zone, right? Dude, like back end of the end zone, back line of the end zone, maybe like a foot and a half from the wall. Like it was tight. And so I bet if you're in the end zones there, you're like, it's probably a, an awesome atmosphere. Like right on top of the, like the fans, you feel like you're right on top of it. So I thought that was cool. Um, you know, usually there's like 
I would say like a five or five to seven yard gap between the back line of the end zone and, and the stands, right? Like wouldn't you say that's yeah. the average for most stadiums, homie, it was, yeah. it was, it was tight, like real tight. Um, so yeah, that was fun. I mean, uh, James Cook's touchdown, his, that was the second touchdown of the game. So yeah. Trey scored, Trey scored in the opposite pylon from where we're sitting. And then James's touchdown literally it was like, he was running at us. So that was, that was kind of cool. Um, couple of the guys, too, struck me how massive of humans they are. I, I mean, I'll just keep saying it just because it's – Darnell Washington is – he's an alien. Like, <laughs> he's just an alien. He is not – he's not of this planet. I'll tell you that. Like, he is such a grown, grown man. <laughs> um, and who's the other one we saw? Oh, dude, Jalen Carter is – he is he's a large human. And I thought he had a great game Saturday night. You think he had a good game? Uh, he was on defense, like he was all over the place. Like that is one of the, it's one of the sad things about Jordan getting hurt. But it's one of the benefits of Jordan getting hurt is that he has gotten so much more playing time, and he has been all over the field. Yeah, um, the play that he made. I mean, he he, it was almost like he was going to take the ball from Doty when he just blew up the backfield, and. Everybody Dude, talks is, about that. that. Is that the one that was – is that the one supposed to be like a screen and he first followed the back and then peeled off the back and sacked? No, 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 Not that one, not that one. This is a play where it was um, it was his own read play, and he pushed the center so far back into the, um, into the running back, and it was like they didn't get a chance to hand it off because he pushed the center back so far back into the running back. Doty tried to take it, and he just grabbed Doty and tackled him. Um, like it was like, he was so far back. It was by the time the ball was there, the center was already touching the running back. He pushed him so far back. Dude, I, I just felt like he is explosive and I, I hope that that continues, right? Like, I think it's great for his confidence. Uh, also we, we talked about this maybe last week or two weeks before I, I noticed Trayvon Walker quite a few times Saturday night. And I can't exactly say that was true last year, which did I did. Did, uh, did Seth talk about it in his mailbag this week? Somebody had asked about Trayvon too. Like is Trayvon having a year and I'm dude, maybe asked about Nolan Smith too in the mailbag this week after you had I did, mentioned it. I did. I did see that he, the, I didn't see Trayvon. I did see that they asked about Nolan. Yeah. And so it was, it was kind of just interesting because you had brought that up last week and then somebody tangentially had asked about it for Seth's mailbag. And, uh, you know, he had, it, you know, he, he pulled his stats up and it looks like he does have fairly similar stats to last year. It's just, I just think there have been other guys that have flashed more. Right. And once it's again, the eye test. It's the eye yeah, test. like you just don't like, notice them once again, Channing Tindall. I loved, loved, loved a, that he was a captain in his hometown and then B yeah. comes out and gets a, gets a sack. I mean, dude, he's had a quiet, really, really nice year for the limited run he's gotten. Him and Quay have both had – they flashed a lot. They're, they're, they have both flashed, and I think that that's huge for next year because, I mean, with Monty – I mean, I know that everybody gets a pass this year and they can come back, but, I mean, Monty's a senior. Monty is going to graduate this year most likely. Monty's realistically not coming back. You know, it's Nakobe and who else, you know? I mean, is it going to be Quay? Is it going to be Tyndall? Is it going to be Mikhail Sherman? I mean, Mikhail Sherman, who, yeah. Who's going to be that other, you know – who's going to be that other linebacker next year. Um, and I mean, 
Nakobe started last year dinged up, but I mean, Nakobe's been dinged up a lot this year too. Um, I mean, it, is it his size? I mean, he flashes all over the field, but he's dinged up a lot. Um, he hasn't been completely healthy his entire tenure. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the I, – I think the funny thing is I feel like the last two years the defense has kind of been the anchor and what folks thought you could kind of, you know, tie the boat to. And I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think for the first time in a while, 2021 – I mean, what? All eleven guys coming back on offense, right? Or everybody but Ben? Um, well, no, no. I I think the offensive line will be completely well, majority different. You think, I think guys will leave? Well, I think Ben's definitely gone because this is he's a fifth year senior, so Ben's right, he, definitely he accepted the invite to the senior bowl. Senior too, bowl. So I feel like that. I feel like that's telling. Well, I think if Ben would have graduated last year, he would have gone last year, but he hadn't finished school yet. So, I mean, he came in with, um, with Eason. Remember he was a freshman with Eason. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he's a fifth year senior because he came, that would have been Kirby's first class, right? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, that he's, he, that he, he's a fifth year senior. I mean, and plus, I mean, he's at a different stage of life. I mean, he's getting ready to get married, you know, I mean, he's, he's the old man of the, of the team. So, yeah. So, I mean, he, Ben's definitely gone. I would suspect Schaefer is a senior like he so he's probably gone and he's had that bad neck injury like I mean there was talk that he may not even ever play again after that neck injury so I would suspect Schaefer's probably gone um Hill let's also say I wouldn't say he's had an excellent year this year no he has not he has not um I would suspect that Hill is probably going to see what his grade is and if his grade is and this is interesting. I, I want to point this out. Like I heard this, and I don't know if this is a complete fact or not. But when you were given a draft grade, you were only given a draft grade of rounds one. You're either given a draft grade of round one, round two, and that's it. That you're not given anything else. I don't know how much truth that is, but I read that last year. And um, they don't give you like if you're going to be fifth, sixth, seventh. They don't give you that grade. It's draft grade round one, round two, and that's it. So I'm not sure how much truth that is. To that, but I mean, I don't see Schaefer being, you know, I, I see Schaefer as more like an undrafted guy, maybe having to work his way into a lineup. But Salyer has a chance to go. I don't think he will. I think Salyer's more of a guard at the next level. Um, I mean, we could see an entirely different line next year. But skill position-wise – other than Zeus and Cook, who are up in the air, I think everybody's. I mean, everybody's back. I mean, Kiris could go, but I don't. I don't see it yet. I think, though, I think at least foundationally, even if there were different names on the offensive line, most of that's going to be because of performance and not because of guys are aging out of the program. Like, there's a lot of depth coming back, and like, I just feel like it's yeah. different than years past, where the offense was the squad who was replacing tons of production that's going to be the defensive side of the ball and look man maybe all this stuff all the injuries ends up being somewhat of a blessing because you got guys like chris smith you got guys like jalen carter you got guys getting some run that maybe wouldn't have gotten as much playing time otherwise even younger guys like a major burns or you know i just feel like there are guys getting playing time that maybe wouldn't necessarily be getting it 
So I don't know. I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, both kickers will be back. I just think there's going to be a lot coming back and thank God there will be because they're going to have to score some points in Charlotte week one. Um, but that's next year. Yeah. I won't talk about all that. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. So my other takeaway from Columbia, and this is, I guess, the benefit of having a – I think you would call theirs an off-campus stadium. I mean, it's not like you're walking around campus before you go to the stadium. But, dude, they had these condos that I guess you have to either live in or – you own, but you can't like rent it out like an Airbnb or whatever. But so dude, there's like single story condos and they're all decorated with like, um, South Carolina themed gear. So like jerseys and basketballs and footballs and signed stuff and all this kind of stuff. Right. Well then there's like a spiral staircase up. And so did you, the spiral staircase pops you on the roof and all the roofs of these condos are like adjoining and with tents and cornhole bag, like bag games and TVs and dude, it was awesome. And like the vantage point was then the stadium is all in the background because it's like a block and a half from the stadium. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And like Chris and I were talking about it. There's just not something like that in Athens necessarily because the stadium essentially sits on campus. But I was thinking, man, it'd be cool if somebody bought up some of that land or if the university i'm sure the university does own it but that the land where folks parked their car where the train tracks are behind yeah. the end zone and built some kind of development like that i mean dude it'd be so awesome but uh It'd be a yeah. small fortune <laughs> oh a small fortune and again i i'm sure the university owns it so i'm sure they would have to be the ones that develop it and then sell it but i mean that'd be something cool i feel like you could do with the georgia bulldog club where Maybe yeah. at a donor level, you get a chance to per- write a first refusal or purchase and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, I just thought that was cool. I love that about the different towns that they all have their own kind of little nuances that make the experience kind of fun. So They're all yeah, very they're not- unique in their own way. Yeah, absolutely. And the other great thing about the stadium, there's a Waffle House. I could throw a football from one end zone and hit the Waffle House. So, <laughs> that I mean, that, is that ever a bad thing? No, it absolutely no, is not. Never. So. Uh, for for your late night needs or your early morning needs, depending how your day goes. So, <laughs> yep that that was that was good. Um, the other cool thing, and I mean, I guess most of the folks that listen probably don't care about this, but it was the first game that I had taken both of my older kids to. We had taken my son to the Notre Dame game last year, so we had that experience. But like, we took my daughter, and homie, she was like so into it, like doing all the cheers and. It was just cool, man. They were like asking questions about the game and they were getting mad if the dogs didn't get a first down. And I don't know, man, it was just like a really, really joyful experience. And I guess part of that was there just wasn't a lot of pressure, right? Like you, you knew the dogs were going to win. It was just by how much. So yeah, yeah, it was cool. I, I would like to go back to Columbia though, in a normal year, like with normal environment and all that type of stuff. So um, yeah, I, I mean, overall for me, they blew them out. That's what they should have done. I feel like that hasn't been the case all year, really. They looked like they were the far superior football team. I was encouraged by that. Which they should have. Yeah, which they should have. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that was good. I thought it was uh, – well, I do want to talk about this before we move on to some other stuff. How great was it seeing Aaron Smith get his first touchdown? 
It was awesome, right? Yeah, it was great. We saw a lot of people play for the first time that, you know, Broderick got some playing time. Um, yep. A lot of people on the line. I saw Clay Webb get some playing time. Haven't he, did, Clay he, Webb? he did get some playing time. Yeah, I liked that. So got to see a bunch of people, young people get some playing time. Arian Webb, I like when he caught it, like, I, first of all, I didn't know he was number 11 because he hasn't seen the field. He hasn't played yet because he's been hurt. He looked like he even shot out of a cannon. Like, I had no idea who it was at first. Well, so, dude, let me tell you something about him that shocked shocked us a little bit. He, I feel like, got billed as this track star that was going to be kind of like a little Mighty Mouse, right? Yeah. Dude, he's 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 pretty good-sized kid. Like, you know how Percy Harvin was kind of like the change of pace for Florida? And he yeah. was just lightning fast, but he was also kind of built like a brick shit house, And so, like, yeah. he was like a football player. That's kind of what Arian Smith looked like to me. Like he was much thicker than I thought he was going to be. Like I, I was thinking more of a Anthony Schwartz, like a little slight, but just super fast. Homie, I think he could legitimately play on the outside. Like I do. I think he fits best in the slot, but I think if you needed him to play on the outside, he could be like Dom where you could put him outside and he could block a guy. Like I think he's going to be that kind of player, which if you think about that row coming back, you get healthy Dom, Arian, George, Jermaine, Marcus comes back healthy. Here's here. I'm, homie, they're going to be so deep. Like, they're going to have problems getting everybody to football. Uh, they're going to be that deep coming back. So, that has got me really fired up. And you just pray that some foolishness doesn't happen and JT leaves. Like, I see, I saw after we had the talk last week, I saw the mock draft. Somebody's got him in the first round. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? One game. One game. Got him in the first round. Get out of here. Like, no chance. He better come back. I'm going to be fired up. I still think it's 100% he comes back. But that mock draft, I was like, are, are you kidding me right now? No way. So, anyways, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. And, look, I mean, I'm not – season's not over. It's just, you know, they play Vandy, brother. Like, I feel like uh, – I feel like what's, – what's the place Brock Vandergrift goes? Prince Christian Academy? Yeah, Athens Christian yeah. Academy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they could roll over and give them a better ball game than than Vandy's going <laughs> to give them Saturday. But uh, so, what's the deal with the Mizzou game? We know if that's actually going to happen, or is that still up in the air? Like, what's the so? Deal I think they they said that they're going to make. Um, I think it was uh, it might have been Seth or maybe it was Dasher. I'm not sure. One of them tweeted out. Um, they retweeted the the uh, something that the SEC came out with that they're going to make scheduling change announcements by Friday the fourth. Okay. okay. Um, so and I think the plan is is that they will make whatever official announcement changes will be by that point in time. My assumption is is that because there's still a backdoor chance for the dogs to get into the SEC championship game, they will move the Mizzou Georgia game to the twelfth. Yep, and they will move the Vandy Mizzou game to the nineteenth, which is right now scheduled to the twelfth. For the twelfth, that is my assumption yeah. of what they will do. Um, if that happens, because that would mean that the backdoor chance for Georgia to get in for the nineteenth, so they don't have another game scheduled for the nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that way, it also still gives them a chance that. You know, if and then if anything, you know, happens and there's COVID that pops up at any of those schools and any game gets postponed after that, that you know, it just there is no more, those games get canceled. The plan which, uh, is still to get all 10 games in for all the schools at this point. Which, spoiler alert, the dogs are not going to Atlanta. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that's the SEC's mindset, though. 
yeah, is yeah, that yeah. they I'm don't want to they don't want to run into that that's you know possibility like let's say florida somehow miracle tennessee wins this week and they haven't made that change and then you know going into the 12th georgia sitting at home and then florida plays lsu and somehow lsu loses and then you know or lsu wins and then you know it just looks bad on the sec and they had this open date where georgia could be playing and they're not playing yeah yeah i mean they got i guess they they have to responsibly do it that way because look i mean kyle trask could uh he could turn his ankle walk into the practice facility and they got to play uh what's the kid emory jones and yeah. i mean then i do think it's kind of a coin flip because their defense stinks so um <laughs> yeah well well okay 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 yes yes their defense does stink but jared guarantano is the quarterback for tennessee he well, nullifies how bad their defense is sorry just well got it how awesome would it be if they did just absolutely melt down and lose those last two games. I mean, it more just be funny. Like it, I wouldn't even feel good about it because I would have felt like we didn't play. We didn't beat anybody good and we'd still go to the SEC title game. So like, I, I don't really want it to happen because I don't think it's justified, but like it would just make me laugh on the it inside. Just, if, they, if Honestly, if they, it, it doesn't matter because I, as optimistic as you are, can you sit there and honestly think that even with JT Daniels, that we have a snowball's chance in hell right now with the way our defense is playing against Bama? No, absolutely not. So, okay. We would have we would have to score 40, 70 40 points. plus points. We'd have to score, we'd have to score, score we'd have to score seventy. I don't you think know? seventy. I, I don't think they're gonna score that many. Because dude, I I do I think what I think what Kirby and Dan would do now with the way they're composed, homie, I think they would just sit in a little a shell cover to the whole game and they would just say look even if you have to even if you're going to score a touchdown you're going to have to take 14 plays to do it like i think that's what i think that's what they were reverted back to um i thought his comments were interesting though did you hear his comments about the defense somebody was asking about hey you know have you have you like rethought the havoc thing like do you have any different opinion on it and i thought his answer was a little interesting he's like you know like we've been so focused on havoc Maybe that's not the right approach. Like maybe, maybe we need to be more bend but not break. And to that point, I mean, what they're leading the SEC in sacks this year, right? Yeah, twenty four. That's the first time in his entire tenure. I think it's the first time they've been top three in that category. Yeah. Um, but they have been a much more feast or famine defense this year. Whereas in years past, I felt like you just kind of knew. Yeah, maybe they wouldn't blow you away in time of possession or the yards per game wouldn't look crazy, but teams were really going to have to work to score. And I mean, dude, I wouldn't say that 2018 defense was dominating, but it's not like people were putting up a ton of crooked numbers on them. So I don't know. That will be interesting to see as things progress into 2021. And even I think the back half of this season. So yeah. So to that point, I, I tell, I say all that to say, I don't think Bama would score 70 because I don't think they'd line up and try to play man-to-man and, and do best on best. I think they would try to hide everything as best they could. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. It, this is all – No, no it's, it's all, not. It's, it's all conjecture. It's all, it's all a fairy tale. Um, I mean, the, the most likely scenario is the dogs go 8-2 and two, and they play in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. So I, I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Which, uh, let's be realistic, if you told me that, you know, two weeks ago that we get a, a New Year's Six game, I, I would have been like, told you you were, you know, on something. So, yeah, I would be, I, I'd be thrilled with a New Year's Six birth. birth. That's, that's great. Good for the program. Uh, yeah. It, 
it's good. They'll have a, they'll be on ESPN on New Year's Day. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that for the trajectory of the program. And I think they will walk the dog on Cincinnati. So, and then once again, for all the people who are like, who are saying that Kirby is Rick 2.0, Rick never went to what will this be? Four straight years of a New York, yep. New Year's Six slash BCS type bowl. Yeah. Four how straight many years. Rick, how many did Rick go to in his career? Two? I mean, I, it's three? just, I, I don't I think know. Rick so, went to three in his career. I'm just, I don't understand why we have to compare them. Like they're, they're different. They are. No, but it, I, this is for the people who constantly compare them. This is I my know. rebuttal. I just think it's uh, they the that argument to me or, or even that frame of mind. It's just such a lazy thing. Like, look, I don't care if they are identical. Coach Rick ain't coming back, folks. Like, get over it. Like, we, you're 2015. It's not 2015 anymore. Like, it's 2020. God, almost 2021. Thank God. Um. So, who cares? I just I think comparing them is stupid. Different teams, different eras. It's all different. Just live in the moment, baby. Live in the joy of today. Let, let's just let's embrace all that. Well, speaking of changes, yeah, Greg, McGarity, no Greg, Greg McGarity announces that he's stepping down as AD, which I think everyone expected. I, th- yeah. I think that was the expectation. Um, who do you think? Uh, who do you think are the top three candidates for that job in your mind, based off what you've read and heard? Well, I don't really have a top. Okay, I have a top two, and then then there's the field. Um, and okay. honestly, I, I don't really know if either one of my top two are going to be the one, but this it's more of a top two of who I think should get it. And number, this is one in one A. This is not a preference, and this is not a – this is just my my thoughts. Um, oh, Josh Brooks, the yep. associate AD, just yep. because of all the changes that have happened, it's – you know, Greg is the one who signs off on it, but Josh has been the right-hand man, and he's been there since, what, 2016? Um, yeah, I think that's he knows right. The, he knows the ins and outs. He knows, you know, the inner workings of everything. He could slide right in. It'd be an easy transition. Um, I don't – I just – I don't know because he's never been the head guy at a big university if he's going to get it. And – that's my concern with it is that I not that I don't think he's ready. I think he's more than ready. I think he's, he's the logical choice and that's because we're Georgia. I don't think we're going to go with it. (laughs) The other choice, um, the other choice that I think is another logical fit would be Carla Williams, the UVA athletic director. Um, She's a Georgia grad. Um, She has deep ties to the South. I mean, UVA, I mean, has done, you know, great things under her leadership. They won a men's basketball championship. They're always in the top 10 and, you know, their facilities of, you know, starting to go in the right direction. And UVA is notoriously tight with their money, but she's been able to loosen the purse strings there. Um, I think she'd be a great fit. And then, then there's the field. And some of the names that I've, you know, seen batted around, I wouldn't be mad at really any of the ones. I mean, I've seen Oregon's athletic. Well, no, there is one that I wouldn't be, I've seen Virginia Tech's athletic director. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. That one I'm I was the least thrilled one I was the least one I was less like, eh, that didn't do anything for me. But saw Oregon's athletic director's name get thrown around. That I mean, who wouldn't want him? I mean, let's be honest. He ran the uh CFP chair for two years. And I mean, Oregon's always bringing in Buku amount of money, but 
their programs are always really highly ranked and then don't really deliver. So it's kind of like, you know, trade-off. Yeah, for me, man, I for me, it's Josh Brooks, right? Like, I think that's the choice. I think he's there. He's boots on the ground. And I think the transition is the most seamless. I also think he's done a great job with – he's had his hand in a – he was heavily involved in the scheduling of the Notre Dame matchup. My understanding is he was heavily involved in the scheduling of the Oklahoma home and home and the Ohio state home and home. Um, I just think there's a lot of great synergy there for football and the athletic director. And so I think that's good. I also think the stuff he's done getting Sanford ready for the confines of, you know, a COVID season were awesome. So I hope he gets it. I have no idea what they're going to do. You know, they're going to do a national search and do their due diligence, which they should. But uh, I've been impressed with him, and I think that's a that's a good fit. And he's younger, so I think there's some opportunity to uh, for him to be there a while, you know. And and I think continuity is always a good thing when it comes to growing an athletic um, department, growing the budget, making sure the facilities stay in line. And he's he's already got his hand in all that, so I, I think that's the logical transition. And then I sure hope that happens. Um, how about? Uh, uh, official announcement: We texted right before the game Saturday night that Dwan's entering the transfer portal. I, I wouldn't say I was surprised by that. Um, well, I mean, what what were your thoughts on that? I that was the the least surprising news of you know this season. I mean, I had heard that he was going to enter before um, before Missouri, the original Missouri date. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. then I think I don't know. It, it never officially came out the reason that he didn't enter. Then I don't know if Kirby talked him out of it, but I mean Kirby's come out and flat out said that he want he's wanted him to stay. Yeah, but I mean, it's what's best for him. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, this yeah. whole situation that's that's come down for Dewan, um, his whole career at UGA has has worked out as what was, and he's has worked out what's best for him. He came to UGA. They found the brain, the brain cyst. They were able to remove it. It was that, that situation worked out what's best for him. If he would have gone somewhere else, who knows if they would have caught it in time, you know, the situation is, you know, he wasn't meant to start this year. He got thrust into a situation that he really wasn't ready for. And it didn't work out and he's going to go somewhere else and he hopefully will have a shot and it's what's best for him. And I wish him nothing but the best and anyone else who thinks otherwise just really needs to get their head out of their ass. I mean, he's a kid and you know, he deserves a shot somewhere and he's just not going to get it here. That's, that's my honest opinion. If it's not at this level, it's not at this level. It's at FTS, you know, good for him. He deserves a shot and I hope he gets it. He is, for me, my, my emotions and feelings are exactly how they were for Jacob Eason. I don't think a kid could have handled everything he's dealt with much more gracefully or with more class than Dwan has. Um, that's how I felt about Jacob in 2017. So, man, I will be a fan of his for as long as he's playing ball and even after that, right? I just I think he's a good kid, and you just want good kids to have good things happen to him. So, I hope he goes somewhere that's a great fit for him. I hope he gets an opportunity and I hope he really, really shines, man. Like I feel that way about a lot of these kids, you know, you just want them to succeed. And um, whether they're doing that in Athens or doing it somewhere else, I'm always going to root for kids to, to do their best and, 
and take off, man. Follow the gifts. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I hope he ends up somewhere that is a, a really, really good fit for him, his gifts and his tools. And I hope he balls out. I, I think there's some interesting opportunities for him, whether it's at the power five level, non-power five level, or maybe even we had bandied about FCS. I think he would dominate the FCS level. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there – I think with his body type and the way he throws the football, I think – Dude, there would be a. There are some group of five schools that would beg, borrow, and steal to get them on their campus, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think I think there's gonna be plenty of opportunities for Duan, and I think the way he's handled things is only going to increase the amount of opportunities he gets, right? So, yep. Um, yeah, I hope he does great. Well, uh, what else you got? You got anything else this week? Be on the lookout, guys. Uh, what were two weeks? Well, two weeks and then two days from early signing day. You know, yeah. most most of the haze in the barn as usual, um, but still a couple of big fish out there. Uh, Rivals just released their updated five stars. Um, Vandegriff is seven. Um, so he's, you know, our top dog this year. Uh, but, you know, it's just, you know, be on the lookout for that. That'll come, I think it's the – Whatever the Wednesday is before the SEC championship team, I can't remember the, the date. But, you know, it's crazy recruiting season. So I don't, without visits and stuff, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens as far as flips and stuff like that. So don't expect anything too crazy from what I've been able to read and tell. But still a lot of big names out there that are still interested in UGA. So hopefully we can get at least a couple. Yeah, I'm like a little, uh, I'm a little sad. I always get sad this time of year because, Majority of the season's over. Postseason is pretty much out of play outside of the bowl game. It always makes me a little sad because, you know, the waiting game's about to begin again. I will say I'm very, very thankful for the amount of games the dogs have gotten to play, and I think they should get commended for the fact that they've had no substantial COVID issues at all. So for that group of 18 to 22-year-old young men to – take care of their business and stay healthy and stay on the field, man, they should, they should be applauded for that. Cause obviously with the rest of the country, that has not been the norm. So um, yeah, I, I think that's great. And something that should be, should be celebrated for this bunch that they've gotten to play a game they love and, and then tangentially have given us all the benefit of, and the joy of getting to watch them do it. So I'm thankful for that, but also a little, a little melancholy, a little sad that we're kind of, winding down here uh we'll say we do have some exciting news couple things our next episode which will come out thursday is our 50th episode boss how about that we didn't gab 50 episodes nuts and more importantly maybe more excitedly we got a guest for that 50th episode we got country music superstar colt colt four gonna hang with us who's sold a ton of records and had a ton of his songs streamed and written a bunch of number one hits and let me tell y'all something. I mean, I feel like we're pretty discriminatory when it comes to our opinions on folks who are dogs fans and how knowledgeable they are. Cole Ford's a real one, y'all. Like he is, he's into the dogs. Like you want your buddy to be into the dogs. Like he shares some great stories with us and I'm just so fired up for y'all to hear it. I mean, he was born and bred in Athens and just loves the dogs and God, he, he just tells some hilarious stories. So we are really, really excited for y'all to hear that. And that'll come out this week too. So thank y'all for hanging with us this year. We certainly, certainly enjoyed it and can't wait to 
continued barking about the dogs with y'all and uh we're looking forward to another butt whipping on on saturday between the hedges so go dogs sick them go dogs george is better now